0: Good morning everyone. Welcome to The Surge and we are wrapping up our movie series this morning talking about a lovely film called Black Panther. Um, And a quick shout out to the small group. The ideas that we've been talking about for reading well apply to movies as well. And one of the central messages of Black Panther is uh, this tension of ideas of isolationism versus a radical generosity and sharing what we have with the world. And so the conversation with the child and the father in the first 30 seconds of the movie. So we hid ourselves away and father will stir hiding? He says yes. And then the child says why? Why? And it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great idea, this idea of isolationism versus generosity. But there are lots of other ideas and tension in Black Panther. There's the use of power. Is it to serve and protect or is it to dominate and control? When we're wounded, do we seek vengeance or do we seek the possibility of forgiveness and restoration? And of all the Marvel films of which I've enjoyed all of them, I'll be honest, uh, this one I think is maybe the most thoughtful. This one uh, had me thinking about it after the movie, had me thinking about it days afterwards, and it's one I really wanted to talk about some more. Um, and in that line of thought, I actually have a friend that I, that I grew up with uh, named Cole, whose actual day job now is running a podcast talking about movies. And he's literally an expert on film. Um, he just knows <laughs> just about everything there is to know uh, about these things. And so I called him up and said, hey, would you be willing to talk with me about the movie Black Panther? And he said, oh, I would love to do that. So he and his wife run this podcast and they're very, they're very thoughtful, they're very articulate, they're very bright. And have a good reading on film. And so what I actually did was uh, we, we set up a call, and they're in Austin, and we actually did about 45 minutes of where I just interviewed them, and we just talked about Black Panther and had a great conversation. Um, you can find them on Facebook. Um, just search for Magic Lantern Podcast to check it out. There's some really good stuff for the commute um, that you'll be amused by. They have a Patreon if you want to support them. I, I would love it if you would do that or consider doing that. And what I want to do is I just want to play you a few minutes of our interview um, talking about some of the things that we loved about the movie and talking about some of the things that a more casual moviegoer might miss. So let's go ahead and, and hear that now.
1: Yes, so I am Erica, and my husband Cole is sitting with me, and we are the Magic Lantern Podcast. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. You can look for us by name on social media. You can find us on Patreon as well. So hopefully you'll check us out if you're interested in informal discussions about film. We talk about the ones that we love and the things that we love about them.
0: In terms of Black Panther specifically, what are some of the things that you loved about this movie?
1: I am not a fan of comic book movies in general. I'm going to make a huge, broad, sweeping generalization (laughs) here. And this is one that I actually enjoyed and beyond that really loved. It's just Amazing visuals and costume design. There's a shout out to Ruth Carter there who just won the Oscar. Richly deserved. And more than anything, everyone involved in this was not afraid to tackle really difficult questions with different kinds of villains. I also really appreciated that it focused on women and power in a really interesting way. And so I'm also going to shout out to Wonder Woman, too. (laughs) The only other, no, 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 not the only other movie, sorry. The other comic book movie I loved, I also liked the, what was it, the Spider-Verse? Yeah, that was fantastic. That was great.
2: Yes. For me, it had everything I would want in a comic book adaptation. The stakes were presented in a way that made me actually care about the outcome. The sibling dynamic was great. There was really great world building. It had issues to consider aside from simply punching bad guys in the face or closing off whatever (laughs) wormhole that (laughs) enemy forces are coming through at the end. Right. I love that there's a lot of folklore and ritual that plays in the margins of this, so it gives the non-action sequences more of a meditative quality. Mm -hmm. Aside from the Panther itself, you nailed one of my other favorite things. The women are at the center of this story. They're wielding political influence. They're the most tech literate. They fight the most fiercely. Letitia Wright and Denai Guerrera are just spectacular in this thing. And most of all, I think the biggest thing, it was just fun. There was a genuine joy in it. It's not all grim apocalypse. The characters smile readily. Their family and countrymen, not just a team, assembled to fight crime. So they actually love one another. And that in turn gives the tragic and suspenseful, suspenseful moments much more weight. So it manages to have gravity and still not be unrelenting darkness. It's a good message. This is a world worth fighting for. And not just because of some abstract notion of existence.
0: Uh, really- what are some things to look for in this film that a more casual moviegoer might miss?
2: Mine is much more a technical thing, and it's really just a simple matter of how much work went into the production design and the costumes. Movies that are this visually stimulating in which the action moves so fast it can be hard to process all those details. Yeah. It's really easy to be overwhelmed. With the costumes, for example, Ruth E. Carter approached this imagining this Pan-African aesthetic that ignores any colonial influence. So you get to see her interpretation of traditional Zulu headdresses, the costumes of Tuareg merchants, Lesotho blankets, the the incorporation of natural elements like the Suri would use in Ethiopia, Mm -hmm. the body paint of the Himba, all of that stuff. It's just amazing. She put so much time and thought (laughs) into making this universally African design that is both deeply symbolic and still looks stunning. So if you're watching at home, a thing that we do quite often, just pause it and look at frames. Take the time to stop all these CGI polygons that are zipping around from corner (laughs) to corner. And just look at all the things that are in the corners because the stuff looks fantastic. And someone spent a lot of time thinking about and working on those things.
0: We had a great conversation. And and it was just, we talked about uh, looking at Black Panther through the lens of civil rights. We talked about a lot of different things that this movie ties into that are very relevant to our national conversation today. Uh, I really, really enjoyed talking with Cole and Erica. And just for grins, we're sending out a special edition of The Wave. You'll have that in about Five, within five minutes of the entire conversation that you can listen to if you want if you 're interested, um, I would encourage you to do that it was It was a lot of fun, so one of the things I would add to what they they were saying, and I, I agreed with everything that they were saying they loved about the film that it resonated with them. The thing that I would uh, say in addition to that that in that context, the movie had a lot to say, and there were a lot of things it did well, but it did it without being heavy handed or preachy. Everything just seemed very natural, everything seemed. Uh, really to fit, to fit well, and, and I really appreciated that about the film. So what I want to do today is I want to pull three things we can learn from Black Panther from the idea in the context of a community of faith. And so the first, the first one is this. So the first thing we can learn from Black Panther is one, uh, listen to your community. So let's take a look at, uh, at a couple of clips and then we'll dig in. One of the primary messages of Black Panther is the idea of the use of power and how it should move forward. And so you have the, the notion of of Killmonger, um, who has been wronged and who has legitimate beef uh, with the murder of his father. But his approach to the world and his, his idea of the use of power is all about dominance. It's all about control. It's all about revenge. It's all about taking his power and using it in a way that he decides is right and good. But T'Challa or the Black Panther has another idea. And one of the things that separates these two, these two leaders and these two men is their ability to listen. Um, if, If you'll notice through the film, Black Panther constantly is receiving counsel. From Nakia in the clip that we saw, from he has a council of elders that he consults with going after the the villain played by Andy Serkis, we, he, he has people who can literally speak into his life, to speak into his life in meaningful ways that actually make a difference in how he thinks about his leadership of Wakanda. And so at the end, when he's standing before the United Nations, he's basically come around to the idea that the use of power can be freed in generosity. And that was a, that was a thought that Nakia planted in him. Right, this, this girl that he loves, she said, hey, we need to help people. We have this amazing ability. We need to use it for good. And it's this, it's this really cool idea of listening to your community, that there's a real source of strength. There's a real sense of course correction. There's a, a pattern of wisdom and of power there. So what does scripture have to say about that thing in particular? It, it actually is in, is in great agreement. Proverbs eleven fourteen says this. It says, where there is no guidance... A people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. In an abundance of counselors. Part of the point of a community of faith is to bring us together so that we can share our lives with each other, so that we can talk to each other about important things, so that we can get the wisdom and perspective of the people around us in important decisions in our lives and let that matter, right? It's one of the beautiful things of a faith community. So listen to the people around you. Listen to the people that God has placed in your life, and you'll be blessed for that. So the second thing is this, that I think we can learn from Black Panther, and this one is probably the thing that really captured me in this film, and it's the idea that we can love our enemies. Let's take a look at another clip. It's something we see over and over in Black Panther and and as we're going to talk about actually tomorrow night in our small group, there is meaning in repetition. When you see an idea served up over and over and over, it's a call to pay attention. So whenever he's challenged by one of the tribes and literally they have a duel, when T'Challa defeats him and it's either death or yield, the things that he's saying to him in that moment don't die for this your people need you right and he's expressing love he's expressing concern even in the midst of a physical battle and maybe the scene that hit me the hardest in this movie was after the epic battle between Killmonger and Black Panther where they both had the powers of the black panther and this cgi you know fight fest it was great when it gets to the end of that and black panther has once again won he, they have this incredible human moment, this incredible moment of vulnerability, this incredible moment of kindness, where Killmonger is telling him that his father told me that the sunsets in Wakanda were the most beautiful in the world. And he, he sees that and literally <laughs> drags him up out of the cave where they've had this battle and they watch the sunset together. And when he says the words, I think we can still heal you, I don't think he's just talking about his physical wounds. He's actually expressing a kindness, a way forward, a path that might lead to redemption. And even though Killmonger doesn't take it, he doesn't take it. It was offered. And I think it was offered in love. Because see, the thing about T'Challa, when he's looking at Killmonger and the anger and the vengeance and the path that he's on, it's one that he can understand. Because T'Challa's own father was murdered (laughs) right in front of his eyes, And if you remember in the previous Marvel film, Black Panther suited up for vengeance. He's going to go get the guy that did it. He's going to go kill him. He's not going to, you know, lock him up. He's not particularly interested in justice. He's interested in vengeance. And the guy that did that, we saw at the end after the credits, it was Bucky Barnes. It was the Winter Soldier. So the white guy at the end is literally the guy that killed his father. And He's loving his enemy. (laughs) He's showing him kindness. There's a way forward and a way of restoration that's an incredibly intricate and beautiful picture of what we see in the gospel. When he's talking to Killmonger in that last scene watching the sunset, it wasn't an empty gesture. It wasn't just words to make him feel better as this guy is dying. No, he's actually already done this with Bucky Barnes with the Winter Soldier and he means what he's saying. He's discovered this truth of forgiveness and the power that can happen there. Scripture says it this way in Matthew chapter five. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Now, don't misunderstand this. Jesus is not saying that you have to be a doormat. Setting boundaries for manipulative people and abuse is loving to the abuser. It's not, it's not loving to let them continue to do bad things. And, and let's just say it. Jesus was not a spineless weakling who let people walk all over him. He didn't. Whenever something happened, he responded with strength. But this is an act of courage. This is an act of maturity. And I think it's one we need to decide about in advance, right? To say, okay, at some point in my, in my near future, I can, I can, I'm looking out into the misty future and I see that someone is gonna be mean to me or someone's going to do something that's not very nice to me. Someone's gonna to try to take advantage of me. Someone's gonna try to abuse me. Someone's gonna get angry at me. Someone's gonna respond badly to me. And I'm gonna decide right now in this moment that that's an opportunity. It's not just an attack, it's also an opportunity. Because in controlling my response and centering up in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the love that God has shown us, the forgiveness that he's shown us, to say that, you know what? I'm gonna extend kindness and grace whenever that happens. And I'm gonna respond differently than the normal response. To love your enemy instead of just hitting back. I mean he's got a point. It's like you know to love your enemies to to love the people who think differently from you, the people who disagree with you politically, the people who disagree with you about other things. What what choice do we have but to love them if we're ever going to make any kind of progress in our lives? I mean, what is the alternative? To have your circle of friends, and every time one of them gets angry at you or mishandles you or betrays you, to cut them out and make your circle a little smaller, right? Get to the end of your life and you're gonna have a little coffin of friends, you know, that's gonna be this tiny circle. The only way to make a friend out of an enemy is to show love and to allow the possibility of a bridge to be built. It's the only way to change an enemy into a friend. So, listen to your community, love your enemies. And the last one is this, inspire the next generation. Let's take a look at our last clip. It's one of the things that I love about that this movie is the subtlety of the scene. They could have been so heavy handed and preachy about this, but instead they set up a situation where the ship appears and all the kids are like, oh, we could break it down. We could sell it on eBay, you know, and and they're all over the ship. But there's one kid, there's one kid that sees it and he looks around and he sees T'Challa and you can see the wheels, you can literally see the wheels turning and he said, who are you? And he's looking at this, this thing that is literally his mind has been blown by this thing he's never seen before. But what he's thinking is, and you can see it, someday I could fly a ship like that. Maybe someday I could build a ship like that. And what is the path forward? And that's what T'Challa is trying to bring, a new path forward, something to take these kids and put them on a path that they may not otherwise have had access to. <laughs> I, I, love, I, I love this idea of passing things on to the next generation. And I got to say, in this regard, Evangeline has been a wonderful teacher. I want her to live well. I want her to experience um, an opening of possibilities for her Uh, that some kids just don't have the opportunity for. I want her to be everything that God wants her to be. I want her to live, to live well. And I think there's something really beautiful about this idea of inspiring the next generation. Uh, We see it in Black Panther, but we also see it in our community of faith and in the very heart of the gospel one of the ways of looking at Christianity is not just a set of rules and regulations, not just a set of of things to not do or things to restrict us and make us unhappy. Christianity, one way of looking at it is this. It's an interconnected set of radically altered relationships. Now that starts with our relationship with God and we don't initiate that. God comes to us and in the heart of the gospel, he comes to us to change the way that we relate to him. And when we understand that, when we accept it, when we really get what he's doing and where he's going, we encounter God's grace. And it creates a new relationship with him that we did not have access to before. The ship comes down, it appears, and we go, who are you? And he tells us. And we enter enter into a relationship with him. And when we get that, that allows us to have a new relationship with ourselves, right? The self-talk that we have that is often so negative, the guilt that we have for the the times that we've blown it, Uh, the shame that we have for the times we didn't get it right, the hypocrisy that we feel for the things that we say and the things that we want to be and then we consistently fall short of that and we hurt the people around us and we bear all these things. But when we understand God's grace, it becomes okay for us to forgive ourselves Because Jesus took all that stuff away from us and he put it on the cross. We don't have to hang on to it anymore. We can be free from those things. We can be free from our past. We can be free from our mistakes. We can be free from our shortcomings and limitations. And the gospel can radically start to transform our thinking, our lives, and the way that we encounter the world. Even inside our head, the gospel can change us radically transforming our relationship. It's a weird way to say it, but our relationship with ourselves. And when we have that foundation, a new relationship with God, a new relationship with self, that gives us an unbelievable generosity to relate with others, to radically transform the way that we encounter other people because we don't have to worry about being insulted. Who's going to insult you when the God of the universe thinks you're okay, (laughs) right? Those things don't matter nearly as much. You can be much more secure. You can be much more confident. You can be much more safe if you know that God loves you the way that he loves you as expressed to us in the gospel. It gives us an unbelievable source of strength, of character, a place where we can be who God wants us to be. It changes the way that we see other people. It gives us the foundation. It gives us the personal resources to have a new relationship. This is the place where we can love our enemies, it's the place where we can be the Good Samaritan. It's the place where we can stand and we can inspire the next generation. Christianity as an interconnected set of radically altered relationships with God, with ourselves, with others. And the idea is that these relationships really can't be separated. They go together, right? As God transforms our relationship with him and we see ourselves differently and we express that to others, that is the gospel. And it's this wonderful interconnected thing. So what can we learn from Black Panther? What can we learn from Black Panther in the context of a community of faith? It's this. Listen to your community, especially the women. Can I say that out loud? There's a lot of wisdom. There's a lot of wisdom there. Uh, Love your enemies. Look for opportunities to love your enemies even in the midst of conflict. Inspire the next generation because as a community of faith... (laughs) like the people of Wakanda, we have something valuable. We have something immensely valuable. It's even better than vibranium, right? The love of God gives us access to, in some sense, a a technology that the world doesn't know anything about. There's something that we have that we can share with them. Don't keep it to yourselves, don't hide it away, don't cover it up. Let it out in a radical generosity that impacts your community, that impacts the people around you, that inspires your community, that inspires the next generation. Let's pray.